Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I think I think you guys have all seen this. I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, male rompers. It's all bad. Like, I was never even that big of a fan, and that's actually I was never a fan of rompers really in the first place. Hmm, interesting. I didn't. I think they're weird. I, like one piece of fabric. I feel bad. Like when girls have to go to the bathroom. That's t- terrible. Yeah, true. I never thought about that. Yeah, they gotta take their whole outfit off. Like I mean, when I when I'm at a festival or something like that, and I see a girl wearing a romper, I'm like, "What are you doing?" Because you know the only option is porta potties there. Yeah, it's all. Bad. Then you gotta like take the whole thing <laughs> off and yeah. go to the bathroom in a porta potty at a festival. Yeah, and, and I don't know about you guys, but if you're using a public rest restroom, especially uh, when you gotta sit down. Uh, I try and avoid my pants touching the floor yeah. as if they were lava. You know, my shoes are, I are, you know, the bottom shoes are going to wear it. Bottom shoes are going to But if my okay. pants touch the, that floor, I'm freaking out. Yeah. It's not for it. I'm not about that. It's weird because, like, there's the unfortunate scenarios where my pants will touch the floor. Yeah. Or, like, shorts. The worst is when shorts do because then it's on the bottom. Nasty. Yeah, I hate and that. It's never, nothing ever stays oh. wet for a longer amount of time. End of shorts. Than shorts, end of shorts. In a public bathroom. Yeah, it's disgusting. I think that's a fact. Going back to the romper point, though, I know, Jess, you've been anti-romper for the females for a long time. Yes. I, split decision, you know, they look good, the girls, ladies look good in the romper. I'm not going to knock that. Certain ones. But uh, the romper is a deke, you know? I really don't like the... uh... The main one of the, the tube top rompers. Those ones for me, and I'm, I'm, who am I to be judging well, what yeah, ladies well, are wearing? I, I, I Wear whatever you want. I'm this is just I, my personal I thoughts. Say, but. I was going to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with a girl who can pull out for a romper. I mean, more power to them. But then he made the point about the bathroom and that kind of put into my head. I don't know about you guys. Well, actually, I do know about Jesse. You have worn Snuggies before. I've worn Snuggies once or twice in my life, Halloween or whatnot. And going to the bathroom, I do remember now, it was not the most pleasant experience. It's not great. Um, and imagine that in full makeup in the club or in a porta potty. Or in a porta potty, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, in the club is best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> um, but regardless of all that, a male should never be wearing this. That's and these, the... new, these new male rompers that, you know, there's a Kickstarter, if you guys missed it on Twitter yesterday, blew up, it was trending, male rompers. They're these, calling them know, romp hymns. Yeah, romp him, I'm douchey com- bros, I'm dudes. I'm unaware of this phenomenon. It was, it was all bad. They're literally just male rompers, and they have a little zipper in the front for your dingle to come out when you need to pee. So I guess they have fixed that solution. Yeah. You know, but. I take you know I saw a lot of women commenting like hey you know that's not true romper if you're going with a zipper true y'all need to take those off that's true. how it goes if you're gonna embrace our fashion you gotta embrace our pain as well it's it's horrific and the most horrifying part for me is I saw a picture the first time I saw a picture of it it's the one the popular one that's going around with like the eight dudes wearing it uh, looking like they just came from a brunch yeah and it immediately made me think that uh, our good friends Jordan and Josh yes. Would wear one. Of those. Yeah, they would wear. Shout out, yeah, Rosie Brunch. Rosie Brunch. The collab's coming it's soon. It's so scary because, and and I immediately told them, you know, if you if I ever see you wearing one, I will not talk to you again. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, and I guess moving on to something else that ladies tend to love a lot, and that's Bryson Tiller. Bryson uh, Tiller, the and god. I, I don't know if you guys saw this interview this past week, uh, but it was about his his lifestyle and how he eats and trying to be healthier, essentially. And he admitted that he hasn't eaten a vegetable in 10 years. That's how I know Bryson <laughs> Tiller is a real one. I support that 100%. I, like, that's unreal. There are days, like, if I don't, you know, not necessarily, like, don't eat a vegetable, I don't, at least trying to make a conscious effort to eat healthy uh, for more than, like, a third day in a row, I feel bad. For, for 10 years, that's unthinkable, you know? Okay, well, first of all, there's no chance that he hasn't eaten a vegetable in 10 years. Well, like, fresh produce like prepared in a way that you know necessarily is still beneficial for your nutri- nutritional value yeah you, know, no, you, I can get, eat, like, you can eat deep fried okra you can get you know southern greens you can get anything deep fried like that yeah yeah but that's what I'm saying so like technically he's lying technically but I love it I love the fact that he's I don't know if he's I don't know if even, he's perfect, even like, ballparking like that is unreal yeah, that, I mean, it's an, it's an insane amount of time. I mean, Coming from someone like, who dislikes vegetables as much as I do. That's what I was going to say. That's the, really impressive to do. The dollar menu wizard is not going to, you know, disagree with somebody who doesn't like vegetables. Or no, doesn't I, like eating vegetables. Know, this is the fast food flavor king right here, you know. I mean, you have to accept what I don't want to take that away from... It's uh, incredible. It's it's a feat. It's something that you even, okay. I feel like you have to attempt to do that. I know you're because even I'll get like a, I mean I know everybody's gonna come out. Uh, tomatoes are fruit. <laughs> like I'll, I'll get like tomato on a burger or a tomato on my Subway sandwiches. You know what I'm saying? Do like, you like fruits? Yeah, I love fruits. Okay. Yeah. Fruits are delicious. That's, that's I mean good. that's a vibe right there. Yeah, I consider fruit. tomato to be a vegetable, and I know factually that's not correct. 
but I still can. No, I agree. You know, it's a mental thing. Like you know that. what I'm saying? I, I, a I tomato is a vegetable. Um, and this is maybe a strange question, but that leads us into our next opening topic, and that, as we have just watched, is the actual NBA draft lottery, but leading up to that was the draft combine, and just at the NFL combine, not as much for the MLB players, uh, but to a certain degree, there's some interesting questions that were asked this week, and in the past weeks leading up to this, uh, this draft. It will continue to happen, but players every year got very, very strange questions. Um, we have a few of them in front of us. I mean, let's just start off with the basic. You know, it's like, do you think you're the best player in this draft? Obviously, That's yes. That's pretty standard. You're going to get that. Can you explain each of your tattoos? That's a little... Mm-hmm. I like oh, It's that getting there. I like that, I like too. That I'm just saying, like, I hope that they're ready to have a long interview with some of these guys. Some of those do. Even you know? the Morris brothers come up, they have the same chat, but it'd be long <laughs> either way. Um, and so that doesn't dig it too crazy. Uh, one I actually really like, what would the janitor at your school say about you if they asked it? <laughs> Fair question. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's someone, if you don't respect the dudes below you, how can you be expected to work within a franchise like that? We're yeah. the bottom of the toe. Then you get into the little racier ones. What's your favorite strain of weed? Mm. And Who asked that? Um, they don't They don't uh, give the names of uh, any of that. It's just, you know, players, uh, confidentially, the sources. Okay. Uh, sources. Funny enough, we bring that up in the news today. Um, but that question, I read in this one too, that's not only to admit if they are smoking, some teams already know these guys are smoking, so they want to know if they're liars or not. So that's kind of a multi-layered question. I don't know. I, those are all strange. And then you get into, into some real interesting ones. Do you practice safe sex? Is that fair to ask? I mean, I think it's fair to ask. They have a whole rookie training program for the rookies who join the league. They talk about, you know, how to be responsible on the road and responsible with all that stuff. I know they have to go through a big training. I remember back in the day, Jesse's going to like this, but it was Shabazz Muhammad who was reprimanded for having some girls in his hotel room at this rookie training program <laughs> in the uh, I like hotel that. rooms. I like Shabazz. Uh, T-Wolf now. T-Wolf now, Minnesota. You, you see how they alum. Yeah. Uh, Jesse's not Jesse's gonna like not that. a fan. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get some of the stranger ones then. If you what were, was the, the big one that blew up? Yeah, if you were the size of a pencil and you were stuck in a blender, how would you get out? What? That was one that was asked. Uh, I guess this is a big question asked at uh, Google and Silicon Valley jobs to uh, a lot of their employees. Um, hmm. I don't know how I'd get out or how I'd even answer that. Great show, by the way, Silicon Valley, if you ever... Yeah, that's great, a whole different show. thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that's too much for me. This is more of a bravery question, I guess. If you were on a train and the conductor died, what would you do? I'd go conduct that train. That's what one NBA, or a future NBA player said. Mm. 100%. Yeah, what else do you do at that point? I and mean, you call for help. That's tough. But yeah. You gotta try and conduct. You, you have to try and like go up to the front of the train, see what you can do, see if there's like an emergency brake. Try and take matters into your own hands. You can't really just jump off the moving train. I don't know. Either way, those are very interesting questions to be asked. Well, there was a huge one that blew up. That Which one was that? It was like, uh... oh, it's the Frank Mason question. <laughs> the... Said how he hopes he dies. Yeah, yeah, that one. They asked Frank Mason. Uh, if he could choose, or how does he wish he, he he dies when he dies? And he said in his sleep. But still. That's such a weird question to ask. How do you hope you die? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that can be said about some of these questions. As far as, you know, critical thinking. As far as just common sense that you need to figure out. But that one is a very deep question. Yeah. And I don't know that that necessarily reflects any... I guess maybe your style, you know, if you want to go out with a bang, that reflects the type of player you are. But that necessarily isn't always true, you know? And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like some of these people are just kind of trying to have fun and ask ridiculous questions. Yeah, maybe. They may just want to see what they're, you know, see the reaction they get, just for their own benefit, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But let's get into it. Welcome back. What up? Cautiously Optimistic, my favorite podcast of all time. Cautiously Optimistic, episode 14 now. Mm -hmm. I am Sully Angles. I am Nick Osteller. And I'm your boy Jesse Brummel. Speaking of draft questions, we, uh, as some of you know after our Facebook Live event, uh, we just watched the lottery, um, watched the selection of the picks, and our Los Angeles Lakers have the second pick. They kept their pick. We do not have to give it uh, to Phoenix. Uh, We're still not paying dividends from Steve Nash. (laughs) Um, But what do you boys think? You know, initial reactions uh, for the second pick for the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, first of all, if you haven't seen it already, we do have, as Sully mentioned, a Facebook Live video. It's on our Facebook page, 25 minutes long. Go give it a look. Real-time reaction of the draft lottery as we are eating some Taco Bell, which we will discuss later on the podcast. 
But initial reactions, obviously very happy. Very happy to keep a pick. I was nervous, nervous that we were going to lose the pick. It was a 50-50 shot. It was a coin flip, essentially. Yeah. We got the right side of the coin. I uh, credit a little bit of that to Magic Johnson being in the building. Magic, Rob Polinka, and the, the basketball gods are not going to look down or throw shade on Magic Johnson. It's just not going to happen. And it's true. They, we got the pick. I'm happy. It's going to be one or two. That's, that's Alonzo, Josh Jackson, Mark Fultz. Great players, all of them. So I'm, I'm very excited. It could also be used as a trade chip. You know, lots of things you could do here. Uh, I'm just relieved, is, I guess, is the best adjective to say. Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say that. Relief was the first uh, word that came to mind for me. I'm, I also was nervous. Uh, you know, we had been lucky in the past couple of years to get get it and keep it. Or I guess last year to keep it. And uh, I'm just happy that we kept it. And now at this point, I'm also kind of leaning towards a trade. Like, I like these guys, but this is also a very deep draft. So why not get a good piece, maybe pair someone like Randall and another guy with that and get a superstar if we can, you know? The only untradeable person on this team is Brian Inninger. That's the only person on this team that's untradeable to me. And we can get on in more detail as the draft gets closer. Yeah. But right now, with the two, I'm leaning trade and try to get someone. But that's also partially because I hate UCLA and I hate LeVar Ball. And I don't want to hear him in L.A. I just think, you know, it all starts back. The Lakers ending the season on a five-game winning streak, which we all had mixed feelings about as far as leading into next year, but also keeping their draft stock alive. And it could have cost them because they could have had a better chance of getting a number one pick. Obviously, now it doesn't matter. We still ended up as number two either way. Um, but I am kind of, you know, I wanted the number one pick. Obviously, you want to have that, that choice. But it also is nice to be at number two, especially when you have two candidates like I think Fultz and Ball right now, and that is right now, are the top two candidates for those two slots. And that's a tough choice because there's so much surrounding both of those. It's not necessarily going to be answered right away. And either way, it is answered when you have the number two pick and you don't have to make that first selection. You know, if the guy you pick isn't as great and the other dude is, you can be like, well, hey, you know, we didn't have the chance to draft him. Obviously, there are many picks after that you'd hope would... It would uh, you'd make a better selection, but having the number one pick and flopping is an embarrassing thing for your organization, I think, and Lakers won't have to deal with that. Ask Anthony Bennett. Exactly, you know, and obviously that worked out for the Cavs, but I think I'm kind of with you right now as far as that trading that pick, just especially, you know, even trading back maybe and getting another piece, a younger piece. Yeah. Because it is so deep. If you stay in that top 10, um, like we talked about, there's guys at 10 uh, that that we really like and wouldn't mind it any other year of the draft, just this is so deep. Okay, I have, I have two things. Yes, it could be used as a trade chip, but let's just think about it. Who is a superstar that you would really want to trade for? I mean, yeah, we talked about Paul. Wait, we talked about Paul George coming, but he's going to be free agent next summer. Yeah, I'd rather just wait for that to no, happen. I agree. Um, also, say we trade a young guy for a superstar. Are the Lakers that much better uh, just to compete with the Warriors in this day and age? My belief is stay with the young guys, keep all the young guys, get this draft pick, keep building. The Warriors are clearly a great team in the West. The Lakers are not going to be able to beat them anytime soon. Let the Warriors dynasty kind of fizzle out, maybe. By the time it does fizzle out, the young Lakers will be better groomed, better developed to maybe step into that void, step into that role yeah. as a contender. Also, that's such a big if. Who are we to say yeah. that the Warriors are going to fizzle out? And that's also well, I'm just saying. I mean, they're not going to. I'm, I guess my main point with saying that is even if the Lakers do make a trade, trade a young guy and a draft pick for a star, I don't know, Jimmy Butler, for example, or somebody like that, or DeMarcus Cousins, I don't know, name it. That team is still not going to be good enough to beat the Warriors, in my opinion, in this year or the next year or the next three years. Or so. so okay, Ooh, so you don't think in three why don't years why don't we just why don't we just take the next five years? No, no, not if that's not what you're saying. Just just keep getting better, little by little. That's what I'm saying. The Lakers need to stay the course with their rebuilding. And we're not going to be better if we trade for a superstar. They'll be better, but not. So what he's well saying, enough. I think he's saying that that trading for a superstar now would cap our growth to a certain yes, degree. Yes, exactly. Whereas if you keep all the youth together, you don't. I mean, it could turn out not as well as going for that superstar. I'm not saying trade the the number two pick, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, and Julius Randle not, for Jim for Jim Butler. I'm not saying that. I'm saying trade the whole youth away. I'm not saying that either. The yeah, but, yeah. I get. I, I, we have, both, but we're gonna keep we're points. gonna they're keep some points. of the youth and keep growing. I just say and keep, get a superstar. Keep all the youth. Use the cap space to build around the youth. But I say keep the core youth. I think that's very important uh, to keep. Those guys are good. They're they're young. I believe in them. I believe in D'Angelo Russell. I do too. I believe. In I these just guys. don't think if you don't think that we in three years we would be able to compete with, with the Warriors at that point. That's, potentially, that's an issue. No, I mean potentially three years is like a good 
That's a great yeah, I think that's where I mean? we have know, to not, be able to attract like, guys in free agency as well. Right. What if we don't get a Paul George? Okay. We're Laker fans. I know we think we're going to get everyone. We're going to get Gordon Hayward this offseason. Okay, we're nice. going to get everybody in this offseason. We're Laker fans. I get that. That's what we do. But what I'm saying is we just think we're going to do that and we never end up doing it in the last four years. But yeah. my thing is like we haven't been able to get these big free agents because we don't have anybody to attract them. Yeah, but if you think about it, every year we're getting somebody else. Brandon Ingram was a rookie last year. Obviously, he wasn't going to be a difference maker as a 19-year-old rookie. He was like really skinny. Give him a year, a year or two years. He gets better little by little. D'Angelo gets better little by little. All these guys are only getting better right now. That's the thing. I think if we keep them together as a group, collectively getting better, that will become an attractive destination. Obviously, the Lakers have to win more games and have to you know get out of the lottery. But I think doing that, taking the slow path, while the Warriors are this good, is the smart thing to do rather than trying to make a rash trade to get slightly maybe you know the seven or eight seed and then lose to the Warriors in the first round. I just don't think it's a productive idea or yeah. path. You yeah. don't want to go down that Knicks road. And I guess, you know, yeah. we can we can go back and forth on this, but over the next month, next two months before the draft, it'll be kind of uh, explained to us and things will become clearer. And even Magic himself, just, just to finish off, said that the Lakers will be a bigger player in the 2018 free agent class. He, he talked about that at the Combine this week. But now maybe let's go over to some of the basketball that's still being played for the 2017 season. And, you know, we are now into the conference finals after an amazing Game 7. I think maybe the best game of the playoffs so far. Certainly the most entertaining in my mind just because of what was at stake. And Game 7 obviously can't beat that. Wizards-Celtics last night. Initial reactions. I know I was really banking on John Wall in that fourth quarter. Was a letdown, but certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't take away from him as a player overall. Yeah, we all picked the Wizards to win the series. Obviously, we were wrong. It was a great series, seven games. The home team won every series. Home court advantage was very apparent, and that's what happened in Game 7. But I just was so disappointed with... I mentioned this in the last podcast, but the bench of the Wizards was why they lost the series and these games. You know, I scored 48-5, to I believe, by the Celtics Mm -hmm. bench. That's not going to get it done. Uh, You can't have five bench points and expect to win a playoff series. Obviously, John Wall and Bradley Beal were amazing. Uh, they're They're a great backcourt. Questions around there about, you know, do they stay together? Will they keep keep that backward together? That's, you know, questions for a later time. But in terms of the series, uh, it really just came down to um, the bench, the role guys. And we all saw what Kelly Olenek did in Game 7. Uh, became Larry Bird there in the fourth quarter and kind of put the game away. Slow your roll now. <laughs> Slow your roll. I'm just saying, that's what Celtics fans are probably thinking. He was the... It was the I think was, Celtics fans know better than anybody not to call Kelly Olynyk Larry Bird. Yeah. But well, I mean, basically, yeah, a little hyperbole there. who knows what Celtics fans think exactly. either way. You know? You know, a little hyperbole for the podcast, but it definitely was the Kelly Olynyk game, and that's that's what happens at home court advantage. Guys like that, bench guys, can step up because they have the crowd behind them. And Jesse, I know you're not a big fan and of Kelly Olynyk. His counterpart in the series, Ubre, played less than five minutes last night, which I thought was a joke. It made no sense to me. I, like, there was no way I looked at that situation and could explain it. Why, um, you know, they have Brandon Jennings yep. in ahead of him, right? That didn't make any sense. He's smaller. He obviously Brandon Jennings was afraid to shoot last night. You saw it on when he was driving yep. looking. And Ubre was he had great games in the series, and just to have that fire, I granted the Celtics fans were going to rain down on every time he touched the ball. But that you know, you're a professional athlete, you, you got to deal with that. With that that was one of the that. two biggest takeaways that I had, and they both come back to Scott Brooks. Yeah, one was the bench. He used Brandon Jennings and Jan Mahinmi over Kelly Ubre and Jason Smith, who both would have played better in those games and matched up better with the Celtics. Yeah. Then Jason Smith, the best PR off the bench for the Wizards in the series. And the fact that he was, I don't know if he was afraid or if he was mad at them. I don't know why he didn't go to them at all, but he decided not to play either of them. If anybody, like you said, Kelly should have been, Ubre should have been playing because he's going to have more passion than Brandon Jennings does in this series. Then whoever he's bringing on, like Bowden, uh, Bogdanovich had a great game, uh, shot well, um, but like, that was my first takeaway. Scott Brooks was terrible in that yeah. sense. Also was terrible in the fact that they haven't been able to defend a pick and roll all series. Mm. And how do you not see that and address that in a, in a shoot around, a walkthrough? You don't need to have a full yeah. speed practice to address the fact for your bigs, hedge. Little guys, get back, get through the screen quicker so that your big can get back to his man. Yeah. When they're switching everything, you get Markeith Morris on Isaiah Thomas in four straight possessions, that's not going to end well for you. You have to learn how to defend a pick and roll without switching every single time, and that comes back somewhat to the players because they need to be able to execute, but that's Scott Brooks. Teach it better. 
I mean, that's Scott Brooks. That's you know why he was no a bad longer, coach and why no longer is the coach of the Thunder and why he couldn't get it done with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. You know, it's just no ability to make in-game adjustments, and it's shocking. You can almost see it looks like he's got a blank you know look on his face the whole game. Like he he just doesn't know what to do. And I mean, that's just what separates great coaches. You get just as great players have to be able to think critically and play under immense amount of pressure. You got to be able to same as a coach. I'm going to defend Scott Brooks just a little bit just because the cards he was dealt. I would put a little more blame on the Wizards GM for not constructing a team better. Uh, nine new players on the team, a uh, very weak bench. As I said before, the bench was the reason they lost the series. The, you know, they Scott didn't Brooks, play their. They didn't play one of their best bench players. Well, yeah. I'm saying Scott Brooks is forced to play. You know, it doesn't matter. The bench. Who is he bad. forced to play? No, he's, he's, he's not playing, forced to play anybody. He's playing, I'm saying he's playing John Wall 44 minutes a game in a game seven. And that's it, a mistake on his part. Yeah, but you he, have he, someone he, like Kelly Oubre. You have someone like like Bradley Beal can handle the ball. You have guys no, that can I, handle the ball while John Wall is out. I, I disagree. I think I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be out there for 40. We saw what happened when he tried to they, get... Tried but to Brad, get, Beal played, Brad Beal played two more minutes than uh, John Wall and still dropped 30. And there's no correlation between making an adjustment and not having the bench. Like, any of us could have listened to him like and slid down from the wing and put a body on Linux when he got five layups in the first half. Sure, he would have made them and we're not anchor defenders, but they didn't even have guys there. And that has nothing to do with having good or bad bench players. That has something to do with coaching. And that is all... If you came. don't know basketball fundamentals at this point in your career, an NBA player... It's not their job to, to teach that, you know. Their job is to do advanced things within the game, within practice, learn the tactics of their team, and adjust. And he didn't do that the whole series. All I'm saying is when you have to play those starters, that heavy minutes, there's going to be... We're saying gonna, you don't have to. No. And on top of that, it doesn't matter on defense in the post, on adjusting. Like, that was the biggest issue last night, is that whenever they right. switched... You know, I don't know. I get I, you, though. It's harder to play defense when you're tired if you're trying yes, to get that. Yes, yeah, I that's, what, that's what I'm getting at. And just, she has those bench players. Like, he's, you mentioned Jason Smith. Like, he wasn't, he's not that good of a player. Like, he, he came into the game. But he's going to put better minutes in than Jan Mahimi. Yeah, better minutes. J- Jason Smith came into the game last night and was a minus 13 in, like, three minutes of action. Basically, gave okay, well, up how easy, uh, he coughed up the lead? I don't know about that. Coming into the game in the fourth quarter the first time, the whole game, you that's a coaching him. mistake. Maybe. You don't pl- I mean, what you do you mean? Maybe. Maybe. You have to be, ready, have to be ready after you sit for 40 minutes. Yeah, that's your professional, your professional basketball player. Be ready that's, to play. That's unreasonable. Coaches' job is to put their players in a position where they can be successful. Is sitting someone for the first 38 minutes of the game and then putting them in a position where they can be successful? Arguably. Really? You Arguably. Think so? I mean, we'll- Having a couple shots at halftime to get hot and then expected to go in Game 7 of the, of, of the biggest game of the playoffs? That's fair to their player and then expect them to perform? I think there's a little... There's blame to be had on both sides. I think we'll, it's a lot more on Scott Brooks we'll, for sure. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's fair. If they have a better coach, they they win this series. If they have a better coach, that doesn't even get to a game seven. If first of all, because they don't blow two twenty point leads. Better bench, they win the series. That that's you're wrong. Yeah. But there's it's many okay. things. I mean, right. again, let's go over. I guess to the next series now. That, that's something else we can, we'll go back and forth on. I'm sure for yeah. the rest of the offseason. We're, we're exhausting ourselves with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this Warriors Spurs series, you know, after game one, as everyone has has seen. Salazar Pachulia's play uh, on the closeout, questionable closeout for many, uh, to injure Kawhi Leonard is really the defining factor. And as we record this podcast, it's about five minutes from halftime uh, in Game Two, and and Gold State's just just handling business. And I just think it's it's kind of frustrating because I think this is going to be a really fun series until that happens. I was, obviously I was very surprised to see the Spurs get get out to that big of a lead in Game One. You know, up twenty three in the third quarter when Kawhi went down. Still, I didn't. I didn't really think the Spurs had much of a chance in the series. I thought it was going to be a five-game series. That was my prediction. But they were showing me some things in that first first half, first half in a few minutes there. Mm-hmm. So I was reconsidering. But again, the Warriors are such a dangerous team. As we saw, yes, Kawhi came out of the game and they went on that 18-0 run to come back and win the game. I just think that the Warriors have that in them at all times. I don't think it was just because Kawhi went out. I'm sure there was a big. It was a big reason for Kawhi coming out and they went on that run. There was a big correlation there. But I still think the Warriors are a team that can make these comebacks uh, wherever they are, whoever they're playing against, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As for the uh, Zaza closeout on Kawhi, there's a big debate going on. Was it intentional? Was it not? I'm in the camp that it was not intentional. You guys may disagree with me. I don't think you can plan to take a step to step under Kawhi in the heat of the moment. I think he was just trying to close out. Um, I'm a fan of Zaza. First of all, yeah. Just first the, of all, one, I know the one line you got to address. Well, I'm, a, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna address that second because okay. I have more to say about that. First of all. If Kawhi's in that game, they win the game. They don't come back like that. I'm not saying they don't make a push. They do make a push. But Kawhi is a difference maker to the fact that would they win by three? Yeah. Yeah. Kawhi is a three-point difference. You know what I'm saying? They don't don't win that game if Kawhi's in the rest of the game. 
You like Zaza? Yeah. That first of all, that's horrific. He's a dirty player. Yeah. And this is what I was, this is what I was saying. I don't think that specific play was intentionally dirty. I think Zaza is a dirty player, so f- him doing things like that is second nature. Mm-hmm. It was a dirty play by a dirty player. I don't think that he said, hey, I'm going to go slide under Kawhi Leonard right now so I can injure him. I think he slid under him because that's what he does, because he is a dirty player. And you can't tell me he's not, because he has so many examples of him doing ridiculous things, stupid things, dirty things. And he's on that team, partially with Matt Barnes, to be that guy. Yeah. To kind of be the guy that's, if someone gets at Steph, someone gets at KD, he's got to be the guy to come up, step up, and knock someone down, and be the guy, the quote-unquote enforcer. But he doesn't do it in like an enforcer way. He's just more of a dirty player. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying that play wasn't necessarily him being intentionally dirty. It's a dirty play that he makes often, and it was second nature of it wasn't an intentionally dirty play, that particular play, but the way he plays basketball, um, you're going to have plays like that happen. And as Popovich brought up in that, you know, I think it was the next day interview, look at what he did in, in, in Dallas when, when they played against the Spurs. It was the same type of thing. And we're up 23 points in the third quarter against Golden State. And Kawhi goes down like that. And you want to know if our chances are less and you want to know how we feel, that's how we feel. Follow up? Does that pretty much cover it? Okay, thank you. And that just kind of got me thinking, you know, there's a lot of different sides to this. Um, certainly, it affects the series in a, gre- in a greater way than anything else could have. You know, I don't think, unless one of the, KD or Steph got hurt, this is the biggest injury in the series. Um, probably more so because he's such yeah. a critical part to the Spurs. Uh Secondly, you know, you, you have Pop defending him, and I love Pop, but he also had Bruce Bowen on his team for a long time, yeah. who's essentially the same guy. Yeah, 100%. And was, I hated Bruce Bowen when he played, because he would just do things like that to Kobe all the time. Mm-hmm. And he admitted it. And he admitted it. And, you know, the, the one thing I think Pop was just spot on about, though, was that there is a, a, a rule in this in the league. You know, you can't do that. You have to protect the shooters. And sliding under like that, doing anything blind like that is, is, a, is a low-class move. And I think one thing that did show that he had no remorse for it was as soon as he committed the foul, you know when someone steps on your foot when you're playing basketball. Yeah. And he didn't even look at Kawhi. He went straight to complain to the refs about a foul. You know, you can see someone right in front of you step on your foot and collapse to the ground. And he didn't look back a single time. So what does that tell you about the type of guy he is and what that meant for the play? He gave a closeout and then a secondary slide. I don't know. It, Under it, I don't think it was intentionally dirty, but it, like you said, Jess, it's the way he plays basketball, and that's what kind of comes with the territory. Um, and unfortunately, it's ruined the series. You know, it's just it's going to end up being that. I mean, we called it, you know, the Cavs Warrior series, Nick and I. Um, but I don't know. It's, the, this is the thing. He, Kawhi could be back on Saturday, which I believe is the next game. Because there's a long break. But does it matter, though? Yeah, again, the long breaks, which I discussed earlier. Now we're getting into these one-week breaks in between games. <laughs> so what I'm saying is you give him a week rest if he's okay. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he skipped game five. Uh, or I'm sorry, game six in the mm-hmm. Houston series, and they still won. But when he when he missed game six, gave him a little bit more of a rest. He rests today. They get a little more of a rest. Maybe he's back. And if he's okay and he's ready to go... Two games at home. If they're able to win both of them, this is a serious game, and that's not far fetched to say. Kawhi Leonard in the lineup, they can win at home. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go that does far. Does it matter? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kawhi's, it does. Kawhi's going to be hobbled if he does come back. There's a bad ankle sprain. The Spurs are already underdogs in the series, even with a healthy Kawhi. I would not be surprised if this ends up being a sweep, and just yeah. like the other series, Cavs Celtics. I don't. That's probably going to be a sweep. Do you guys have any other thoughts about Cavs Celtics? The yeah, yeah, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Cavs in three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think... It's not close. It's not going to be close. It's not, you know... I think the Celtics will take a game at home. It'll be five. Um, but this is just... This shows, I think, truly how the Cavs have turned it on in the playoffs. And, and no one is at that level when they're that tight. The Celtics are also not a team that can compete with them. Yeah. No. Um, they're just not. So I guess we'll go to a, you know, a lighter side of basketball. It involves, you know, MVP <laughs> candidate uh, James Harden. Have you guys read out about this? This is an ongoing situation. But essentially, uh, James Harden is being sued by Moses Malone Jr. 
son of Hall of Famer Moses Malone. Uh, and basically what happened was I believe uh, that him and Harden were in the same strip club uh, in Houston. And Moses Malone Jr. had some kind of quabble with Harden because uh, he sent his son to Harden's basketball camp and Harden made him pay. Not like that guy you know, has any issue with money with a Hall of Fame dad and also a professional basketball player in the lower levels of the league. Um, so Harden allegedly, uh, this is from Moses or Malone Jr.'s point of view, paid a group of guys $20,000 to beat the shit out of Moses Malone Jr. And, and rob him of all his chains and jewelry. And so that's where we're at now. Harden's saying he didn't do it. Moses Malone Jr. just, you know, filed a lawsuit. And so we'll see going forward. I don't know, what do you guys think? And I heard this on actually two different radio shows this week about Harden being a really big fan of strip clubs from multiple sources. That doesn't surprise me doesn't surprise at me. all. You know, getting the beard all up in the G-strings. Well, he was also the same dude that was out partying the night they got blown out by San Antonio. Oh, the end of the series? Yeah. I mean, who cares? I have no problem with that. No, I'm just saying, but that, I'm not. I don't yeah. have a problem with him going out. I'm just saying that doesn't, you know, there's reasons to believe why he would be a big fan of strip clubs. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, he just, he's doing his thing. But I think that's hilarious. I don't know. Yeah, this is a crazy story, a kind of a weird story. Harden, obviously, likes to have fun in Houston, as we just discussed. You know, let him do his thing. He's an MVP candidate. He's doing things. Obviously, he did not end the season very well, and that kind of throws things into question. But say he was at strip club, who cares? Moses Malone Jr., though, his dad is obviously a famous basketball player, Hall of Famer, and this is a classic case, in my opinion, of the son of somebody more successful feeling entitled to something, and you know he's probably suing James Harden here for money when maybe he just got robbed, maybe the dude just got beat up. You know, yeah, maybe. You never that, know. That, that's why I don't think Harden is a guy who's gonna like send out goons to go beat somebody up because there's a quabble over a $250 basketball camp. I just don't. I don't see Harden caring enough to do something like that. Yeah. And I just think this guy, Moses Malone Jr., is kind of pulling at straws here and you know, reaching for something that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, I guess. What were you going to say? Just I don't know if I would say let Harden do his thing if his <laughs> thing is ordering people to beat other people up. I just don't... I don't know if it's true or not, <laughs> but I just wouldn't say let him do his thing in this scenario because I, I there are no him, facts out here I yet. I haven't let him do his thing, like let him party or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And, like, do we think... I mean, yeah, it's funny that he orchestrated this robbery. If I'm, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, yeah, but you gotta get part of props, kind of. You know, no, no. I like what? Why is he giving Harden props? You know, I don't think you could orchestrate an amazing plan no, like first that. First of all, you guys are talking about if he's gonna do it, do it yourself. Okay, first of all, you no props for sending other people to do it. Dog, you got 20 G's. You send someone else. Send the goon squad. But that's another reason why I believe. Why I kind of like. Guys, he can do it. No, slow your roll for He can pay someone twenty thousand. That's nothing. You guys are talking about this as if it's like a real thing that happened. I, I, just, I, I really. Don't you don't know it's not. You don't you, think it happened? He definitely got beat no. up in the club. We know that. Sure, but you, you guys, don't know it's not. He's, something probably, that he's probably wearing jewelry because his dad's rich and his dad gave him money and he bought jewelry and he got robbed by dudes who wanted to get the jewelry. Like, and they just blamed James Harden because there was a dispute on Facebook or something. Like, no. Where like, did no one's talking about Facebook? No, it, it, the dispute was on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So like, Junior posted a Facebook status. No, which is just, ultimate some, dad thing. That is funny. So I'm just thinking, like, you know, he's he's just grasping at a guy who's rich, James Harden, to try and get money out of him by alleging that this is the dude that orchestrated. A... Okay, well, well, you're you're contradicting yourself because yeah, you're said, the one saying that all he does is get daddy's money. Yeah, he why doesn't does he need the money? Why would he reach a James Harden to get money if he already has all no, of like, that money? I, I'm saying he's reaching out to James Harden because he feels entitled to get like to win this case because he got he's embarrassed that he got beat up. He wants to like blame it on somebody. He's like, "Oh, I don't like James Harden. I'm gonna." The thing is, no one would have known about it. It wouldn't have case. been a story yeah. unless he <laughs> did this. It just, Nobody like, knows who he is. So, so, so he and he knows that it's not a story. He wouldn't be embarrassed about getting beat up because no one would know that he got beat up. Well, that's I mean, his fault. That's his fault for like putting that, putting this out in the world that he got robbed and for his jewelry. We we will have to see how this litigation plays out. You know, we've got uh, a legal expert on the podcast actually uh, hired this week, Richard Serjenko, good friend of mine. Will be a lawyer within the next year, okay. a sports lawyer. So maybe right. at some point we'll have him on the show to break down these types of cases and see what they do. But uh, that's gonna wrap it up for the NBA right now. What do you say we guys head out to the diamond right quick, talk about some baseball? Dodger baseball, that is, of course. We always start with the Dodgers. Dodgers have been doing well since the last time we talked on the podcast. They had a five-game winning streak, struggling a bit now recently, though. Um, Swept the Pirates, split a big series with the Rockies in Colorado, and then have lost to the Giants on the road. The Dodgers are 22-17. 
uh, still two games behind the Rockies. And, you know, they're, they're playing well, but uh, still not in first place yet. Guys, what do you think about the Dodgers right now? Uh, you know, it's an interesting time. There's no other uh, top-tier MLB franchise that has as many moving parts at, at once as the Dodgers do, you know. As far as their rotation going back and forth, sending guys up and down from the bullpen, the four guys on the bench constantly change, you know. It's going to end up being another one of those years where they break a record for however many roster moves it may be. But with all that said, to be only two games out of first place, being the top ten power rankings for pretty much everyone for the MLB is a pretty good thing. And you still have this rotation kind of coming together. Uh, we'll have Rich Hill back tonight, actually, which will, uh, will be yesterday when you listen to this. But they really utilize this t new 10-day DL. And I know we kind of make some jokes about it, but this has really been their tactic. Rather than going to a six-man rotation, they've now started to just DL guys after their start and have them skip a start, besides Kershaw, of course, and then kind of come back on a, an extended period of rest, which will get you there, but it won't get you over the hump, which we found out last year. And that's the base concern for me, I think, is just that I like some continuity, especially in baseball. You want guys, obviously, that can fill in the holes, but you don't need them to do it every single day. And that's what we're missing right now. We just don't have the consistency that you need to win a championship, which is the end goal for this. Yeah, I think the biggest issue for me still is the rotation, and it has been all year. I mean, obviously, there's Kirsch, and he's going to be solid every single time. But everybody else is pretty inconsistent. I love Alex Wood, NL Player of the Week right now, off of his mm -hmm. last two starts, which is great to see. Uh, if he can keep that going, that'd be huge. Um, Urias is nice, but like you said, so we need continuity. Let these guys keep going and just kind of get a groove going instead of this guy's hurt, this guy's hurt, DL here, DL there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's tough. And it's the same thing, you know, when you're a bench player in basketball, per se. You know, you don't want to come in in game seven after sitting for 40 right. minutes. Uh, especially you know, not in the fourth quarter. Especially not in the fourth quarter, because that's just tough to really get that groove back. So when you're not getting a consistent start in there, who knows where you're going to be at. Exactly. I mean, you have thoughts on this now? Yeah, big surprise. I kind of disagree with you guys on this. <laughs> um, I actually don't mind the way they're handling the DL slot and kind of doing a revolving door of mm -hmm. pitchers in the rotation. My, my big concern is these pitchers, when they do pitch, specifically talking about Ryu, Maeda, Hill, um, they've just been really inconsistent product productivity-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, Maeda has a good start, then a bad start. Ryu has a good start, then a bad start. Hill has a start, then a blister, then a start, then a blister. And it's just, you, ha you have to get these guys um, on, on, on the same page when the playoffs come around. Right now, though, I don't mind it too much to kind of coast this way into the playoffs. Um, obviously, you want to have more continuity with the chemistry in the clubhouse and that kind of thing. But those guys are still hanging out with the team. They're not, you know, not with the team. Yeah, they, so, I don't think that's an issue. I think it is yeah. just the, literally the on-field performance, yeah. you know? And it, it's, right now, the Dodgers are in the wild card slot. Obviously, it's only May, so you don't really look at that. But they would be in the playoffs. Um, but that's not the game. You don't want to be in that wild card game. No. That's a hard game to play, especially yeah. if you have to go on the road for that. That's a joke. Um, and we've discussed this before. I don't think any of us really believe that the Rockies are going to be able to keep this up to, yeah. to the extent that yeah. they'll they, keep the number one in the NOS. They're really... And a surprising team. I mean, it's like a classic Rockies team that's going to hit, you know, like the games they win, they score 12 runs. But the weird thing about this team is that they have two rookie pitchers yeah. Yeah. who are shoving for them. And yeah. I think it, it's so easy to just kind of see this unraveling a certain, to a certain degree, especially with those two guys being so critical of the team so early. The hardest thing to do for a rookie pitcher is to make it through a whole year as consistently as the way you started. Because of a variety of things, whether it be like your arm just getting tired from never throwing that much, you know, the team putting limitations on itself, hitters getting more and more tape on you to scout you and understand how you're trying to pitch them. Um, so I can see the Dodgers, once you get to see them for the third or fourth time in a start, will really hit them, especially because yeah. one of them is right-handed and we hit right-handers well. Um, but they're going to hit all year. And so the Dodgers, as we talk about the rotation, the biggest thing right now, if we don't get that straight against the Rockies... You know, I think we probably have 10 games remaining against them. That's going to be an issue because when it comes down to it, we can be really close on record, and if we don't have that advantage, mm -hmm. then we lose, and we got to go play in that wild card game because I mean, we just never know how the Central and Eastern turn out. Luckily, they're a little weaker this year. It looks like we could win the wild card if it had to come down to that, but you still just don't want to play in that game. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I will say that the Rockies have been a little better than I thought they were going to be at this point mid-May. I thought they would have started faltering. They're still looking pretty good at the same time. Um, as you said, it's still kind of early in the season. The, the weather is still not too warm in Colorado. The ball isn't flying out there as much as it will be this summer. Which is and, scary. Well, that's what I'm saying, but the pitchers too. The pitchers are not going to be able to maintain, I don't think, for reasons you just said, more tape yeah, on them. That's you know, true. Uh, 
fatigue as they pitch more into the season. I still don't think the Rockies are going to maintain that first place hold. I'm glad the Dodgers are able to still split with them as the Rockies are one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Dodgers can go into Colorado and get a split. Yeah. I, was, I was happy about that. Me too. Um, and, but also some other Dodger notes since the last time we talked. Andrew Tolles is now out for the year because he tore his yep. ACL. That's tough to see. He would have been a nice player to have, nice leadoff guy, nice uh, outfield depth. Cody Bellinger has continued to play really well. He got an NL Player of the Month as well, not too long ago, uh, Player of the Week, excuse me, not too long ago. Um, so, 22 and 17, I think the Dodgers can only get better from here. I don't think they're going to get much worse than they are right now, and they're above 500, so just keep doing what they're doing. I'm not too worried. As I said, I, this is a marathon, not a sprint, and I like the Dodgers' chances in, the, in that marathon. Yeah, certainly a great way to wrap it up for that one. Uh, speaking, go back to the Rockies for a moment. You know, they are leading the NL West, and this week, as MLB.com noted, they've got a marquee matchup against the first-place Minnesota Twins, don't you know? Uh, and... You know, I've always had a soft spot for the Twins in my heart. Both my parents are from Minnesota. They were one of my two original teams as, long, as well as the Dodgers. Uh, so the question I pose to you two gentlemen is, uh, of those two teams, we just talked about the Rockies or the Twins, I don't know how familiar you are with this Twins team, who has a better chance of making the playoffs by the end of the season? And who will fade? Well, I will both fade. I am uh, very familiar with this Twins team, as I can name one player on the, on the team. You really can only name one player? Dozier. Wow, you can't. So no. You really can't name another player. Their best player, or in the last decade, who's their best player been? Because oh, is Bauer still on the he's, team? He's playing first base. I didn't know he was still playing for him. You well, also that, know that, another that, player. That's former, a good point. That's a, a former point. Angel. Their starting pitcher. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, the yeah. Samo guy. No, 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 he's not. Um, but a, a former, like a classic Angel from like late twenty teens, almost. I was kind of saying, you know, going to the teens. Uh, uh, is it um, K Rod? No, see, he's he played with uh, played with K Rod though. Uh, not Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana is like an well all star candidate. Yeah, really. Like said, yeah. He is like a, a front runner for the Cy Young in the AL currently. Well, that's ridiculous. Twi- yeah. Twins and Rockies. First of all, shout out to your parents, Sully. I know they're going to appreciate this Twins yeah, they mention always, on the podcast. Bob, you know, is always asking about the Twins. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to go with the Rockies here to answer your question. The Rockies, I like them as a team, even though I just kind of said not too long ago that they're going to kind of fade they're not going to fade that far the Twins on the other hand are in the division with teams like the Indians defending American League champions and the Tigers who are also a solid team obviously their pitching is not too good right now um, I'm just going to support the National League here and say that the Rockies are going to be a team that will maybe stick around for that wild card spot whereas the Twins I don't see Irvin Santana continuing this weird display of Cy Young candidacy right now I just, that's not normal I just don't see that happening um, the Twins are going to falter, and the Rockies will be the better team at the end of the year. I'd rather see the Twins make it, so I'm going to go with the Twins. That's my guy right there. And, and, and Nick, you know, once again, another scenario where you're just, where you're just down the little guy here. You know, like anyone that goes up against Draymond. Like, you uh. know, just imagine. The Twins, you got to love the youth. you got to love young arms tossing. Jose Barrios, one of the most exciting pitchers mm, in baseball. Yeah. Who had an 840 ERA last year, so he needs to prove himself still. Congrats, yeah, because rookies never struggle, Nick. Yeah, that's great. It's a really hot take there. We're all impressed. <laughs> Um, Miguel Sano, you know, a rookie last year who almost had 40 bombs on another tear this year. Dozier does his thing. Twins are obviously uh, the team that's going to make it out of those Dozier teams. not doing his thing. I'm glad the Dodgers did not acquire him this offseason because Dozier is actually struggling mightily this year. He is not part of the Twins' resurgence. So we need yeah, to. Yeah, because playing every day has no bearing on being good. You know, playing defense, you only, hit, you only hit in baseball, I guess. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? I Doesn't he have like that. seven Yambos too? That's weird. Yeah, I think he has two. I think he has two. I believe he was on the deal for quite a while. He has two. Oh, so he was hurt, and that's why he's not playing well. And you blame him. <laughs> I'm Come sorry. on, guy. Hey, gotta stay on the field to produce, right? Well, how did he get hurt? Do we know? Sprained his ankle. That's a basketball injury. Come on now. That's like, like a classic, not your fault injury. It could be rounding the base. It could be tons of things. Come on now. I mean, I'm just saying, dude. He's hitting 240. Sprain your ankle in baseball. He's that's got five not that's bombs. Not a good, that's not a good look. 245 bombs. His OPS is at 750. Sprain your ankle in basketball. That's fine. You're and that's weird. Around. The guy we traded for instead, Logan Forsythe. What is he doing, Nick? Oh, he's on the DL. You can't play if you're not, you know, on he's the He's not DL. playing well. He's not, not playing, playing well. Can't play well. We're not talking about he's Logan not playing I'm just well. saying, if you're going to say we didn't want to trade for him, he obviously would have been the better choice to trade for. Still, regardless of how good Logan is, Brian Doge is a better baseball player. Um, and talking about maybe the one or two best baseball players, just to wrap up baseball here, Jesse's guy, shout out to Washington, Bryce Harper, signed an arbitration deal, uh, the largest arbitration deal in uh, Major League history for over $21 million. But that doesn't matter because he's going to be Yankee. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. He's going to be a Yankee after um, that. But, you know, we're going to keep him. We're, you know, the, the Nats, my second favorite team. 
they'll, they'll get some things done for them. I mean, if the Dodgers don't end up winning in the next couple of years, uh, the Nationals will. Hey, you know, Bryce Harper getting paid. We knew this was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. Hey, I'm just saying, when he becomes a free agent in 2018, don't rule out the Dodgers. They have some cash to throw around. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could go Yankees, Dodgers, so Red Sox, Cubs. Yeah. Those four teams will outbid the Nationals, so it doesn't matter either way. That would be an immediate jersey buy. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swine, what do we got on the menu today, good sir? Well, one of the cool things that we've done this week was we had a live showing of us watching the draft lottery. And in that, we all ate the newest Taco Bell item, the naked chicken chips. I was curious, very, very curious to eat this because the way they branded and marketed it made it kind of seem like it was a, like a chip inside of a fried chicken. And I wasn't sure if that's actually what it was. Turns out that's not. It is essentially a chip. It's a chip-shaped uh, chicken nugget. Yeah. So essentially, Taco Bell has chicken nuggets, and I love it. It's the same fried chicken that they did with the naked chicken chalupa, which, as you remember, was one of the greatest things that they've ever done. You can have it in a five-dollar box. The thing is, I wouldn't suggest that because it's not. If you could just get one little order, it's probably not going to do uh, enough for your your stomach to. Kind of carry that. You get a burrito supreme and a taco and a drink with that $5 box. I would more suggest going with a different $5 box, getting the naked chicken chips on top of that, and it puts you around 7 bucks, and you'll definitely get a nice uh, filling from that. Um, but to rate the actual item, very delicious, really good chicken, nice little white meat inside. Uh, so uh, since Nick needs those he needs stars. He needs the stars, Jesse. He needs the stars. stars. Today we might actually go with chips. So... Um, I'm going to give it, they are an eight and a half out of ten in the Starship ranking. And I will cash those chips in right away. Today we bought 48 of these chips from Taco Bell (laughs) for our uh, excellent live uh, showing on Facebook, as Jesse mentioned. Please go check that out on our Facebook page. And we all had this today. We all tried the chips. And how did you guys feel about it? I enjoyed it. You know, I'm a big Nugs fan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, McDonald's, as far as chicken nugget goes, the top dog. That's just how it goes. Burger King tried to make a play with the 150 Nugs. Obviously, when I lived across the street from them in college, being a broke student, you got to make that play every once in a while, especially when they stay open all night. Yes. But this is a game changer. Um, Adding chicken to any meal is a valuable tool. And so that's really what it comes down to for me, especially when you layer it in some kind of chippy cheese stuff. Mm -hmm. Dip it in nacho cheese, that's just, it's hard to beat. It's going to be tasty every time, no matter which way you spin it. And don't sleep on how versatile it can be, since it is just chicken. Yeah. If you really want to get crazy, go ahead and break up you know, a bunch you know of pieces mean? of chicken, toss it in a taco. This is like that thing that we saw just on Facebook, but we still never did. that. Um, the Chick-fil-A pizza? The Chick-fil-A pizza. Mm-hmm. This is a, a similar type thing. If you get pizza dough, some kind of weird cheese sauce, you could certainly you know put a couple of these chicken things on there. 100%. It's very versatile. You can use it in many ways in your order. And just to close on this, while I was a little bit disappointed of the branding of a chip when it is just a chicken nugget, I can't hate on it because they did taste good, and they were here as we watched the Lakers keep their pick. It would always be associated with a good memory. So I can't hate on it. Those 8.5 stars are a valid assessment of it. And that'll be it for our fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. And now let's uh, turn our attention to the rink for our favorite time of the week. What the puck? What the puck? And as you know, we are at some point in the uh, NHL playoffs, uh, I believe conference finals. The Ducks and the Preds are playing. Preds is a short name for the Predators, hockey We're guys. Hockey guys. So you just got to understand that. Yeah. We, we talk with a lot of you know slang jargon, all that mumbo-jumbo. Jargon. Um, basically, what has happened is the Ducks and the Preds split 1-1 in Anaheim. Now we go into Game 3 uh, in Nashville. And some raucous Duck fan has uh, printed... All of these Ryan Kessler faces. It says Kessler on the bottom. Kessler's the Ducks captain, as you all know. Of course. We knew that. Yeah, Ryan Kessler. You should just know that at this point. It's kind of that uh, Obama Hope-esque photo. You know, the Mm -hmm. two-toned color. And they've just started posting it everywhere in Nashville. Like, anywhere there's a Predator sign, Kessler face. You know, on the street side, Kessler face. And to me, savage move. I mean, if we had gone in, let's say, we go to San Francisco the day the Dodgers are playing, just start putting them Clayton Kershaw's face everywhere. Pretty ballsy. Yeah. Pretty ballsy move on that half. So, just shout out that guy. Shout out to that guy for loving Ryan Kessler that much, you know. Uh, I can appreciate the passion. Yeah, I mean, really, it's repping Southern California. 
Uh, and when I think of hockey, just to wrap up here with the puck, when I think of hockey, there are no two better places to define that than Tennessee and Southern California. Of course. So oh, yeah. we'll just leave you with that. That's been What the Puck. What the Puck. And we have reached the end of the line, everyone. It's time for our segment where we discuss any super hot, interesting takes or shoutouts. And we have a few of those today, starting with Jesse's take. So, unfortunately, the series is over. The Wizards have lost. Um, but I feel it's safe to talk about this now because they're not in the playoffs anymore. Uh, my take that, as we know, Markeith Morris went down with an injury uh, early in the series after Horford pulled a Zaza and slid under him. Um, Marcus Morris was playing that whole series. <laughs> Keith is still not better yet. And Marcus Morris slid in, put his jersey on, and was playing that whole series. I fully... I'm in. I believe in that. Uh, they have the same exact <laughs> tattoos. There's no way to tell them apart. Um, <laughs> I believe someone said once that the way to tell them apart is that one of them has a slightly larger head. And that's <laughs> it. That's the only way you can really tell them apart. Um, I heard something um, I heard something about their ears being slightly different. But you're saying that... Uh, Marcus Morris played that the rest of that series. 100%. Stepped up. Played great. So thank you, and, Marcus. And but that, if Markeith was playing, that, the Wizards would have won, I'm assuming. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I love what Marcus did for the team. You know, stepped in and filled a role. <laughs> and that makes sense because you know, if Marcus had just stepped in like that, he'd have no idea what was going on with the defensive schemes. Exactly. And that's what so it looks like. The pick and they, roll they was could, tough. You know, I guess they don't run pick and rolls uh, on the team he plays for. So. Yeah. So, so that's my take: is that Marcus Morris was actually playing that series after Keith went down. It all makes sense now. Yeah, that's it makes the boldest take. Uh-huh. I like it that. It all makes sense like now. So you got a shout out? Yeah, I got a shout out. You know, it's another theme, but I'm gonna keep it rolling for all my cats, baby. Chico State baseball. Uh, as I spoke on last week, they were heading to the conference tournament. They swept that. They won. Shocker. Number two team in the nation. What do you think is going to happen? Now they're the number one seed in the Western region. Uh, starting the, uh, it, it's tourney season for the boys. You know, A little early for playoff baseball for a lot of people's minds. But if you're a fan of college baseball, you already know. D1, we're going to the conference tourneys. D2, we're going to the playoffs. D3, you don't care because no one does. Um, <laughs> so shout out Chico State, man. Let's uh let's get back to the World Series. Last time I had the World Series, I was on the team. Best experience of my life besides having this starting this podcast. Of course. Um, so man, go cats. I wouldn't be more happy to see my guys like uh, Hunter Hayworth, Cam Santos, little even Leighton Elfhands, my boy. Mm, Leighton, my guy. Uh, you know, get back to the glory land and do it for the cats. And do it for Coach T, baby, because he loves you more than anything. Believe it. Believe it. Great shout out there, Sully. Go cats. And that has been it for another edition of Cautiously Optimistic. Again, lots of good content for you today. Uh, We got a Facebook Live video up on the Facebook page. We got a freestyle from yours truly. And, of course, this podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back. Any any, uh, last words, gentlemen? Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We should wrap up. I forgot. I didn't tell josh where we were doing this podcast that's true but he saw the live stream and i see him walking up so we should probably wrap it up right now yeah we don't really have enough time for him to Um, get in today so um sorry josh no 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 No, we're done it's over let's just cut it let's just cut it let's just cut it She let it go fast Don't know what to do